Welcome to the Rising Stars Podcast, where we unpack trends and tips in the point of sale space and IT channel industry. My name is Kate Arara, and I am the Partner Development Manager at Star Micronics America. I've worked in the channel for almost 18 years and I've met some fascinating people along the way. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rising Stars podcast. I have the honor of being joined today by Heather Philpot, who is the Director of Supplier Services at ScanSource. Uh, she is actually one of the Rising Stars, RSPA Rising Stars 40 Under 40. Um, and she is, I've been working with her now for the past year that I have been at uh, at Star, and it's been really great just getting to know her. She's a wealth of knowledge. So with that, I want to, I want Heather to kind of introduce a little bit of herself and give her background, but Heather, how are you today? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much uh, for having me today, Kate. Uh, I, like you said, I'm the director of supplier services at ScanSource. Uh, what that means is I oversee these supplier partners um, across both ScanSource and the legacy POS portal business. Um, specifically, I focus on uh, payment suppliers, so folks like Pax and Genico, Verifone, Equinox. Um, and the reason I uh, took that role is because my background is from POS portal and in the payment space. So I've been with POS portals since 2015. They were acquired by ScanSource for their payments expertise. And, um, and so uh, as we were looking to integrate with each other, um, it made sense to have someone with a payments background to come over and oversee partners across both systems. Um, but my background is in marketing, spent over a decade doing marketing and then played a business operations role for about three years, which was great. Gave me a lot of experience on how to navigate integrations and the different cross-functional things that have to happen. So I'm learning a lot uh, in this new role, but uh, I think I got a good background to stand on. Awesome, well, I'm, I'm super excited about this episode mainly because, and I, I know a lot of our listeners may be kind of in the same boat because payments is a very foreign thing for me. Like I understand it. Like I know that I go to the grocery store or whatever, when I'm taking my payment, you know, sometimes I tap, sometimes I dip, sometimes I swipe because neither of those are working or I'm scanning a QR code and sending a payment that way. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of get maybe a more digestible understanding of payments through you. So I, I'm really kind of excited to dive in. But before I do, I'm just going to maybe ask you a couple questions just to kind of get the ball rolling. So maybe could you give us some, give me some examples about how ScanSource is leading in the point of sale industry for resellers and ISVs to be successful? Yeah. I think first and foremost, it's partnering with leading suppliers like Star um, to make sure that um, we're offering the best product to our customers. And so um, in addition to the hardware, you know, we're really focused on helping our partners expand um, their offerings to their customers. And that could be a wider line card. So attaching adjacent stuff to um, their offerings it could be new programs or services that they can extend down uh, to their customers or maybe even creating net new revenue streams. And um, payments specifically, one of the reasons why um, the acquisition is great for traditional resellers is because now they can uh, capture some recurring revenue from payment processing. So maybe they traditionally just did POS hardware. Um, now they can do POS hardware and payments hardware, but also get the recurring revenue from every transaction that happens at the payment device. So one of the things, what, what are some of the, changes or the trends that you've been noticing 
in the payments industry. Um, I mean, I know that devices, just in general, whether it's for, you know, obviously, like we used to have the big cash registers, right? And now they're, now they're like tablets. So you literally go from like, everything's getting smaller. Um, yeah. Yes. And so I'm kind of curious to hear from you about how you've seen things evolve, especially since, I mean, I think you, before we started recording, I was just saying that the payments industry is probably evolving faster than everything else because there's there's new certifications, there's issues with security, there's all these concerns that people have. So what how have you kind of watched things evolve and where do you see it going? Yeah, for sure. So I think um to answer your top question, trends that we're seeing is, you know, more Android smart terminals. Um, it's less of the traditional iOS or um, OX devices. We're seeing Android terminals that can do more. Um, we're seeing contactless payment, like you said. Um, you you dip or tap, or maybe sometimes you pay with a QR code. Um, a lot of that is enabled by contactless payments or NFC technology unattended. Um, when I go to some of the fast food restaurants or even going to something like Panera, I'm not going up to a register anymore. I'm, I'm using an unattended kiosk to, to enter my um, order and then I just wait for it to pop out. Um, some things that I think are coming are things like biometric payments. Um, so taking a payment because it like sees your face or your fingerprint like craziness, um, AI and machine learning. And then like the hottest topic right now is surcharging or cash discounts um, within the payment space. And so I think those are some of the trends that both customers are seeing and the resellers are seeing um, things that they need to like kind of like get their head into, uh, figure out how to to offer those um, solutions to their customers. Um, I think your second question was about like what is disrupting the industry and what we're seeing um, change and and what we think the next decade will look like. And I think, um, like you said, security is a is top of mind. Cybersecurity is everywhere. I see commercials for it now. Um, consumers want to make sure when they transact at the register that um, what they what they put down is going to be secure. And so we're already seeing lots of new um, stuff come out as it relates to payment security and even the configuration of the devices. PCI, which is the council that kind of manages security requirements, both on the distributor level, but also down at the merchant level, um, issues new standards um, all the time for keeping uh, transactions safe. Uh, right now, one of the ones that's the most prevalent and kind of top of mind for people in the payments industry is the move from traditional local key injection um, to remote key injection. And um, basically, uh, local key injections happens in a secure cage and, and it's uh, done within our facilities. RKI is done in the cloud. Um, and so there's lots of conversations about how that's changing and how we can make that the most secure. And while I'm no compliance person, I can't probably dig too deep into that. Um, that's just something that's happening. And I think that that's going to change how we um, service customers and the hardware that's on their counter. It offers some more real-time capabilities to make changes to a device um, on the counter, which is always great for the consumer to have um, things be quicker, faster, um, updated better. I so, think we're, oh, God. I was going to say, so remote key injection, it, it's fascinating to me. Um, again, because we're talking about security, but yet it's not. And, and I remember I, I, this is dating like years ago when I worked for a services company and, and we said that we would do everything except key injection because of the cage and the, the, there has to be two people in there at all times or something, you know, I, I, I remember it was something crazy. Um, but now it's going into remote key injection. So 
I guess I maybe high level, not that you have to get into the nitty gritty of it. I, I, I would like to kind of understand again, again, broad understanding of how does it work? How does one get certified to do remote key injection, which I'm sure ScanSource offers that and how, and it's three part question. I'm sorry. Yep, nice. and, and how is it a threat? Do you think in this market or, or is it a threat? Is it more of a benefit? Is this a good thing? Yeah. Um, well, I am, like I said, I'm no expert on this one. So, so, uh, <laughs> patient with me on this one, but, um, uh, you're right. It used to require a cage or what we call a key injection facility. Um, and so you, you have to go through a lot of, uh, requirements and audits to be able to be a certified uh, key injection facility in the United States. And uh, ScanSource has three of those. So um, they've been a leader in being able to service uh, payment devices, you know, for the biggest partners in the world, all the way down to small SMBs. And so um, RKI does enable that in the cloud. That is coming from the um, hardware manufacturer usually. So they're the ones sending the keys. Now there's other payment partners who um, play a role in that, but the the top line capabilities come from the supplier, and so that that's a change because today um, that does usually come from the distributor um, or the payment partner who's configuring the devices. I think um, you know I think it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be able to service our customers quicker and faster. That doesn't mean that distribution won't have a role in supporting RKI. It just means that it won't physically be in our warehouses anymore. It may be in an office um, where we manage it remotely from a computer. And that, and you see that as more of a benefit, not only for, for you, but maybe for the customer and, and does it benefit, how does it benefit the reseller? Yeah, certainly for the reseller, it offers, opens an opportunity for them to be able to do the RKI. And so they can, um, you know, some of our partners have platforms where it's like a device management platform. And so they can, um, be the one uh, doing uh, uh, device management in the field from the reseller's office. So it doesn't just have to come through distribution. But certainly at the end of the day, everything we do, all of us, Star, ScanSource, um, a reseller, is about making sure that the consumer gets what they need in the quickest amount of time they um, can so there's less downtime. And so at the end of the day, this is a benefit for the, for the overall market to be able to service our customers quicker. Okay. Um, a couple of things on like the threat uh, thread is um, I think we're seeing lot, a lot of new players in the payment space. Um, so we're seeing um, mobility players, traditional mobility players um, get into payments. So maybe the, the barcode scanner that was used uh, to enter people on, in the parking lot at a, a venue can now have a soft POS loaded onto it. And um, it can also charge you for your beer when you're sitting in the baseball park. We're seeing um, traditional POS bars add processing to their offer. So historically that was um, kind of segmented into the ISO agent channel um, who service payments devices, but now we're seeing more POS bars get into that space. Um, and we're also seeing ISVs become payback. So previously it was ISVs were really focused on like vertical specific software offerings, but now we're seeing um, companies focused on payment facilitation. So enabling ISVs to not only charge that recurring revenue for the software platform, but also for the transaction revenue. 
So I'm glad that you, you brought up the whole pay facts, um, the payment facilitators, because I started going down the rabbit hole of reading articles around payment facilitators. That's a pretty new niche, right? Yeah. And we're seeing, um, you know, my other thing on threats that I had kind of thought about was mergers and acquisitions to create um, like these unified commerce experiences. And what we're seeing is some of the big processors or the big ISVs um, acquire these payfat companies. And so they can offer um, this holistic experience where um, maybe you only certify with one person, but you're able to get um, your uh, card present transactions, your online transactions, and your software all bundled into one thing. Um, and so people are coming together more and more every day. So pay, payment facilitators, those are different than ISOs. Like, do you still need an ISO or is it like an either or, or how does, or merchants, like how does, what's the difference between the three and, and does, does a payment facilitator, facilitator kind of jump all of that or skip all of that? Yeah, so you wouldn't, you um, if the ISV has become a payfac, then they can offer the payment processing um, through the software. So you wouldn't need to have a separate contract with a processor via an ISO to be able to do transactions. Oh, so that's, so the, the payfacs are more of a threat to the ISOs then? Probably. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, oh, like I said, I was going down that rabbit hole and I was just like, oh my Lord, this is definitely a question that I have to ask. Her <laughs> expertise on it. Um, so, as far as the devices go, you said that there's mainly going towards like the Android type of direction. I know that I, I, I think that there were the big terminals. We used to have like the big terminals, and some people, I, I think it was, I mean, Verifone and, uh, and Genico in particular have like large digital or digital displays that you can do like advertisements and things like that. Do you think those big terminals are going to be a thing of the past and that the payment devices are just going to keep getting smaller? Or do you still think that they have a place somewhere in there? I think they have a place. I think um, certainly it depends on what market you're supporting. Um, and so probably in the tier one, they're going to have multiple uh, use cases and multiple terminal types. Um, maybe as you go downstream, um, they can get away with an all-in-one multi-purpose Android MPOS device that um, does their POS software and their payment transaction on one device. Um, but I think that when you're talking target, they're going to still have the traditional lane. They're going to have the SCO checkout. They're going to have someone who needs a device to go out to the counter or the curb with you. Um, and I and I think it's the same for printers. If I think about it, it's not that we're eliminating those solutions. We're just evolving those solutions. So maybe you don't need as many um, fixed uh, receipt printers at the lane because now they've shrunk lanes down to seven. But you got to add label printers for those to-go orders or for the mobile curbside pickup stuff. Same things happening with payments. It's um, instead of traditional uh, POS stations, you're now having traditional POS stations coupled with um, those mobile devices. And um, I was reading a study the other day and it was saying that by 2026, um, so we're only like three years away, they anticipate that 50% of the terminals um, that will be out in market will be mobile. And that kind of maps to that, right? So if we're seeing a lot downstream and then a mixed use case upstream, um, more people will, will have more solutions, pay at the table, pay at the, like I mentioned earlier, pay at the 
at the seat of the ballpark. Um, so I just think that the direction is not eliminating stuff, but it's adding um, more things to supplement what we have today. Well, and you just brought up paying at the table. So how is that evolving in the payment space? I mean, I, I will say I, I don't understand why it's taking, and I think we talked about this and I know I sound like a broken record, but I know okay. uh, we, when we've had our initial conversation, um, we're, I mean, I, I go to Canada or anywhere in Europe and they will not touch my credit card. Like they, ugh, I can't touch this. So um, <clears throat> total MC Hammer re reference, but so basically they, they don't want to touch the credit card, but they just give you the device and like you do it. I yeah. mean, why are we so behind on that? And how do you see the, that evolving here in the U.S.? Yeah, I think that um, a lot of trends or evolution with payments are usually dictated by regulations. And so that's why you're seeing it in Europe, right? Because um, there has been requirements to where everything is done um, either mobile or with you entering and touching the credit card. So there's no interaction between the um, the merchant and the, the physical card. Um, so I think just like we saw EMV. So if you remember when everyone went to dipping their credit cards and all of a sudden now all your uh, merchants or your restaurants can enable you to dip or contactless and no one's doing the swipe anymore. That's because a regulation required that. And so um, we, we, we refer to that as the EMV blitz at the last minute. Everyone was like, ah, we need these devices that um, that can be EMV ready. And so I think that in due time when um, the regulations require US payment devices to be um, enabling mobility or the device being right there with you, that that will come. But usually it's hard to change unless something's forcing the industry to change. I mean, it's, it's, that's very true. People are less, it's, it's until they're forced to do it. And the thing is, and I'm going to correct you. You said that we're, we're three years away. We're, we're actually two, really, if you want to look oh, at yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Shoot. <laughs> As of recording this, we're, we're, we're the last day of November. It's November 30th. So uh, we're, we're just about 2024. Um, but uh, but yeah. It's... I'm clearly ready for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's blown by. Um but it's it, but but even then, whenever even when they come out with the deadlines, they give it. They usually give a deadline of like you have like PCI. What I've noticed, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they'll come out with a deadline saying, "Hey, you know, we need you to have in order to be compliant, you need to have this implemented in May 2025." People aren't even thinking about it until like April of 2025. And they're like, oh, I got to get it done. And then they wait, they're, they're literally waiting to the last minute. So in those situations, because I, I, when they put those types of, those, those guidelines in place for PCI compliance, how are you communicating to the resellers and helping them to push the end users to make those changes and to, to, cause to stop waiting at the last minute, because that's when we get into a major cluster. Yeah. Um, that's why we called it the blitz because it was, <laughs> I mean, I mean, not to, to go in the weeds here, but it was, uh, I was pretty new to portal and that was happening. And they basically called the entire staff into this back room and they had a whiteboard and they said, um, guys, we're all going to the warehouse, pick a shift. And we all learned like different things in the warehouse, whether it be like configuring devices or shipping or picking. Um, 
we all went and contributed just to get all the orders out the door because you're right everyone waited to the last minute but um i learned a lot during that time period so i never regret uh, that craziness of the emv time period because i i did truly learn a lot but um we also focus on marketing um, and education leading up to that and so whether it be webinars or um, blogs or content material that we can share with our customers. Um, we're always trying to say, here's the timeline. Here's how you can, uh, the talk tracks you can use. Here's how the devices that you can transition to. Um, and, and our team is here to help you. I think that's fair enough. It's, it's, you know, any, I think even if we do try to do a better job of preparing and giving everybody a heads up and all of that fun stuff. It's it, it they'll still wait. Everybody's still going to wait till the last minute. Yeah. You may have the occasional Joe blow that is prepared and does it ahead of time, but most people are still going to wait till the last minute. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think any type of adoption, even when we think of, um, you know, we were talking about contactless payments and being able to play with your phone. Um, I love that I can do that. I love that I could walk into uh, Nordstrom and, with my cell phone and and pay for something or be on a run and be like, oh, I need to grab a water and walk into Rite Aid and buy it. But, you know, then I go to some other major uh, supply stores, you know, the place says I buy tools and they don't have contactless. And I'm like, no, like I've become <laughs> so used to this. And so, um, and so I think, you know, it adoption is slow, both on the, the merchant side, but also consumers. Like my dad's not gonna pay with contactless. He's, probably going to pay with cash, frankly. <laughs> you know, I'm still kind of one of those, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not a cash only kind of girl. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't use my phone. My husband does. My husband uses his phone to pay for things. I'm still like, I take the card out. I don't know why I'm like, I'm putting my credit card. Maybe I think I was born in the wrong era. I think I'm supposed to be like a Gen Xer or something like that, or maybe even a baby boomer. I don't know. My <laughs> kids call me boomer all the time. And I'm like, no, not a boomer. Well, the, the, the one good thing about contactless is if someone has like um, a skimmer on a payment device, like in the gas station, yeah. um, you, when you pay with contactless, it creates this like unique tokenization. And so like the skimmer doesn't work. And so there is benefits to that, to paying with contactless, you, unless you're going to jiggle to make sure the skimmer isn't on there every time you use it in the payment device. So just in case, I know what a skimmer is, but okay. for, for our listeners and, and audience, if that may not know, could you explain what that is? Yeah. So a skimmer is basically when a bad guy puts what looks exactly like the, the credit card reader on top of um, a payment terminal. And so um, unfortunately, this happens more than we probably would like. But um, as a consumer, the only way to know that it's not there is to like give it a little jiggle and make sure that like that thing doesn't come off. But it's a little part that goes around the part you dip your card into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what other better technical terms to give you than the little part that goes over it, but hopefully that yeah, helps. The thing that, you do that goes over the thing thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a video on YouTube on it. And and in my previous uh position, we actually made a an anti-skimmer plate that would go along with like the the, the mount to oh, block cool. people from trying to put the that's that skimming device. Yeah. Um so it, there's a video <clears throat> on YouTube. And it's fast. It's they literally, I mean, they literally just kind of walk in, they, they just kind of push their hand and they look, they stick it on there like just quick. It's and so it's, nuts. And then the guy right behind him comes up and dips his credit card in. Bad guys, they're always there, man. 
They are. They 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 are, and they get smart. They're getting tricky. They're getting tricky. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, one of the things that I've noticed, and 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 I guess I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because we're talking to some of the big retailers. I kind of want to talk a little more small and medium yep. businesses. Um, how maybe you're kind of seeing the payments or the direction of, of payments for those types of businesses. Cause you've said like, I'm, I'm sure probably where you are unable to do the contactless payment with your phones are probably smaller businesses, more locally owned businesses because they don't have that technique. Especially you go to the, your favorite hole in the wall, Greek restaurant or something like that. They probably don't have, they're, they're like, yeah, no, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think, one of the cool things about some of those mergers or acquisitions or even um, companies coming together is that we're able to offer more semi-integrated or integ integrated solutions downstream. And so when I think of um, Android hardware um, being able to offer not only the payment transaction, but the POS or the value-added services that a merchant may need, um, it's really cool. So you can, you can have one terminal that um, that takes uh, the payment. It helps you do inventory management. It helps you manage your customers. And maybe even there's a little app on there that allows you to go look at like, make sure that the fridges are at the right temperature um, when you're in the front of the house. So you don't end up with bad meat. Um, and so I think that devices are just evolving. And then the backend solutions on those are evolving to where um, you can also take transactions online and all of it comes up into one unified like omni-channel view um, in your platform. And so the customers, those those offers used to be really only for the tier one, but um, uh, with emerging payment platform providers and uh, payment partners, uh, gateways, that stuff is coming downstream and being more accessible to the mid-market and SMB space. Now, I know a lot of small businesses too are using more app payments like mm -hmm. Benzel. Um, so how do you see those types of apps disrupting the payments industry or, or, I mean, is there any sort of integration that you see those going through the channel? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all that stuff's pretty new. Um, but I mean, even in my day-to-day -day life, I'm using those alternative payments in some of my B2C transactions. Like when I go get my nails done, I pay with Venmo. I don't, I don't pay with a credit card. Um, things like buy now, pay later kind of um, gaining steam. Uh, I think they said it was like 90 million users today are using like a buy now, pay later model. Um, today, that's mostly e-commerce. So you can think of a company like Klarna, who's um, enabling um, a customer to buy something, but then pay over four monthly payments for the next four months. Um, but we're also seeing that stuff get enabled for card presence or what we call card presence, which is where you you put your credit card or your contactless reader um, in a store. I, I don't know how much that will pick up steam. I can't imagine going to the grocery store and saying, I want to pay for my groceries and for payments, but who knows? Like that may, that may pick up steam and we may see um, more and right more. Right now, the way that groceries are going. And then <laughs> yeah, I know that's true. I bought like five things the other day. It was $75 and it wasn't even meat. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we're seeing legacy like payment OEMs. Um, investing in new offerings and new services. They're, they're acquiring companies who do alternative type um, 
payments and services um, to add to their capabilities. So I think we're probably just in like the infancy of what things are going to look like. But given that some of the big guys are investing in that, um, I think that we'll see more change over time. Yeah, the Afterpay, Affirm, and Klarna, those are those are and there's those are strictly online e-commerce types of platforms, or are they can they be used elsewhere as well? Um, it depends on what the uh, processor enables. So a processor can uh, connect to or certify to offer that solution both online or in card presence, or just one or the other. So. Um, it, it truly can happen anywhere, just depending on uh, what gets enabled by the processor, the gateway. And so tell me a little bit like integrated payment devices. I know that that's another thing that you and I have kind of brushed on a little bit. Can you kind of maybe elaborate on what those are? Yeah. So um Integrated or semi-integrated solutions usually mean that the device is working with um, a POS software um, for card presence or an online e-commerce solution. And so um, basically that means that the, the POS and the, um, the payment device are working together. So if you think about it back in the day, you would go, let's use the doctor's office, for example, you go to the doctor and they print out your bill, right? From their POS, but it was just whatever the doctor's office uh, uh, management system was. And then they like pushed in, Heather owes $25 for her copay. And so they put $25 into the payment device, took my credit card, swiped it, and then they stapled those two things together. Now, if it was integrated or semi-integrated, then the the POS would send down to that payment device, automatically load that 25 and then I swipe and the receipt comes out as one uh, device or one um, one slip. So um, it's integrating um, the POS portion with the payment portion together. It also integrates um, in, if this is the model, um, and this is one of the values of gateways is it integrates the online transactions. So um, it enables a merchant who sells online and in store to see all of their transactions, no matter where they came out of, all in one platform. Um, and, it, and it helps with things like um, inventory or um, uh, cost management or um, sale management, because you see everything in one place. It's not like separate online and offline transactions. And so what is ScanSource doing to support the resellers? For these types of solutions, how how are you supporting not only the reseller but also the ISVs? Yeah, I think that was probably one of their big reasons for purchasing POS Portal. Frankly, um, our background um, is really focused on that deal engineering, the pre-solutioning of payment devices, and as those payment devices have gone from that dumb one-purpose payment transaction um, device to these semi-integrated devices. Um, they built this team of subject matter expertise who can help with the pre-solutioning. So we can talk to the reseller or the ISV and say, who's the gateway? Who's the processor? What POS software are you using? What's the hardware you want to do? Okay, we'll go bundle this up, configure it for you, and we'll deliver it to you every time the right way. Um, we also do that on the front end where we work with some of our partners um, to pre-configure and merchandise solutions. So a reseller can go on there and buy it right every time from the website. And so if it's a data cap, world pay and Genico solution, 
and um, that's sold to the channel, the channel can go on there and order it every time the same way. So we have both custom deal engineering and then the pre-configured solutions. Okay, so you're able to customize things based on what the customer is wanting as well. Yep, yep. What are some things that maybe you think that are some oversights, conversations that you have with a reseller or with an ISV that questions that they should be asking their end users that they're not asking, things that you guys like constantly are like, oh my, if in a perfect world, this is the information that we need to get. What are some oversights that ISVs and resellers have when it comes to, when they come to you? Okay, so I think for resellers and ISVs, um, it probably crosses more than just payments, it's POS as well. I think they should be asking their customers what more they can do for them. So it could be adding payments, we would love that. Um, it could be adding other offerings in your POS stack. It could be um, offering them services or recurring um, uh, support models that they, they need. I think there's always opportunity to add more. And if you can't add more or you don't have the scale to add more, find a partner to add more with. So I think I've learned a ton on from you just from this. And I, I, I would hope, I hope that maybe you'd be open to doing a part two, maybe <laughs> months from now, because Lord knows things are going to change. Um, but, uh, you know, for anybody that might be listening to or watching this podcast, like what, what is, how how could they better educate themselves and and what are what are ways that they can be better armed when they are trying to assist their customers with these solutions yeah talk to your partners if you're working with a gateway or a processor talk to them about how you can do more talk to your um, distribution partners we'd love for you to talk to our account managers i'm always available um, there's other folks on our team who are, are here to help you uh, walk through this we want to handhold you we know it's hard um, it's hard because it's more sophisticated, not because we make it hard. It's just the devices are doing more, which is great for the downstream experience. Like we talked about at the top, customers want an out of the box, easy to use solution. And so we have to do our jobs as, um, distribution partners and resellers to make sure that when it lands on their counter, it's ready to go. Awesome. Well, this is the chance again. Thank you so much for your time. Heather. I yeah. had a great time. Like I said, I think that this was very educational for me, um, hopefully for our listeners and viewers. Um, but this is your chance to kind of plug how people can reach out to you, connect with you, LinkedIn, all that fun stuff. So how sure. can we be in touch with you? <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, Heather.philpot at scansource.com, Heather Philpot on LinkedIn. Um, and if you forget all that, just go to scansource.com, fill out a customer or a contact form and we'll get a hold of you. We're always here to help. And um, we do webinars on payments and other things all the time. So we're here to be your resource. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, this was way more fun than I anticipated. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, and Heather mentioned that they do that they do webinars regularly. Uh, I'm not sure when this, uh, this podcast is going to be published. Um, but they, you were doing one on the 13th of December. Is that correct? Yep. We have an expanding your opportunities with payments webinar on December 13th, which is a Wednesday. And uh, we'd love to get you signed up if you're interested. Perfect. So um, if this is released before then, great. Make sure you join. If not, then I'm sure it's going to be recorded. They will have it on Scansource yep. website. Um, and we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. But uh, again, Heather, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kate. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.
For more about STAR, visit us at starmychronics.com, where we also have a super informative blog, or follow us on all our social media platforms on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. We love to hear from you all. And that's it for this episode of Rising Stars Podcast. I'm Kate Lara, and I will see you next time. Thank you.